Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,286. This week on Cars Yeah, I'm celebrating the Greenwich Concordia Elegance that takes place on May 31st through June 2nd. You can learn more at GreenwichConcord.com. I want to have some fun. I want to race some hell and I want to make some money. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, calling in from Indianapolis, Indiana, Michael Arnold. Hey, Michael, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am. I'm ready to put it in gear and go. All right. Love it. Michael Arnold is the son of Stanley H. Arnold, who customized sports cars, including the legendary Arnold Bristol. The Greenwich Concours will be celebrating Arnold cars, including the Arnold MG, the Arnold Bristol, and the Arnold Aston Martin at this year's event. Michael is a journalist working as a newspaper reporter and columnist, and he's also been a very integral part in helping his mother run the family business after his father passed about 10 years ago. Michael also happens to be a very high-level competitive racquetball player. That sounds cool. I'd have to like to play against you sometime, but you probably wiped the court with me. So, Michael, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share a little bit more about your career, your life, and your passion for automobiles before I jump into the questions? Sure. And let me go back just for a second, Mark, because in fairness, I am not a, currently not a working journalist. I started out as a working journalist. And after a period of time when um, I got the call from my mother for help, I left the field of journalism, a job that I truly loved. In any case, I still have a passion for it. Uh, so a little bit more about my life. I'm um, Whatever I do, I give it my all. And I do that particularly in my businesses. I do it in my racquetball. I do it in my um, whatever I get involved with. I'm 100% in it. Pedal to the metal. You know, before I jump into the questions here, uh, let's talk uh, just briefly a little bit. It's hard to be brief about the legacy that your father left behind and what your mother and you and all your other teammates carry on. But about the Arnold Bristol, this is a very unique automobile. And for those people who've perhaps never seen one or maybe never heard of one, could you talk a little bit about the history of the business and what the car meant to your dad and, of course, what it means to you as the son of your father and your mom? I think it's pretty easy to say that my father got a pa- had a passion for automobiles. And so I know that his first car was, I, I believe, a 53 MG TD, or maybe it was a TC. But in any case, uh, he was, um, in addition to being an industrialist in a northeastern town of Indiana called Warsaw, he was an automobile distributor in Chicago. Uh, All I can presume is, and I have to say presume because it wasn't like my father and I sat down and had these heart-to-heart conversations about, so dad, why did you get in the car business? So dad, why did you get involved with an Arnold Bristol? So I just, I think he saw it as an opportunity to feed a passion. And that was by his presence at an automobile show in 1952, I believe, in London. He happened to meet Nuccio Bertone. And um, from there, the, the, it's, it's somewhere between real, a legend, and a myth as to what exactly happened. But he did want to create, based on everything that I know and have read, 
wanted to create a, an American or a sports car in America that could be raced. Uh, the, the first car that was built, the Arnold MG, simply didn't meet that. It just was an underpowered, more of a family sedan type of car. And then that was followed very soon after. And when I say soon, they all occurred between within one year of each other. Arnold MG, Arnold Aston Martin, Arnold Bristol, and then a single Arnold Bentley. So uh, it was a passion for him. And I'm certain that it was in order that he could find something that he could race himself. Yeah, you know, they're very unique looking cars. And for people that have never seen one, We'll put a link up here, but also go check out, just, just Google and look at images of Arnold Bristol. And I think you'll agree. They're just such unique, cool looking cars in a way. And I may get some eyes rolling here. They kind of remind me what Carroll Shelby did, where he made it's a chassis engine with this uh, body, created this unique car that had its own look. Your dad's vehicles, of course, had their own look, their own feel. And you and I share something. Your dad's first car was an MG TCTD. My dad's first sports car was a 49 MGTC when I was but four or five years old. I remember those cars so well and how special it was to go for a ride with dad. Do you remember some days of going for a ride with your dad in an Arnold? You know, what's interesting, I actually remember more days going for a ride with my father in the in an MG than I do the Arnold Bristol, which wow. is really crazy because, uh, yeah. And what's curious is about what you just said about 1949, I believe that's when he purchased his first car was an Arnold MGT, or not an Arnold, but an MGTC in 1949. Yeah, very, very cool. Coincidentally. Yeah, coincidentally. Well, it's cool. It's fun. I just remember that as a kid. It was so cool. Well, listen, let's continue with your journey. And I would like to start with a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah. So, Michael, take the wheel. I have a couple. Uh, one is, and, and this started in business. My mantra was simple. I want to have some fun. I want to raise some hell and I want to make some money. Now I will tell you, after a while, if you don't make any money, you know, raising hell and having fun isn't. Uh, Gets a little it, long in tooth. <laughs> it does. But in life, my mantra is similar. I want to have some fun. I want to raise some hell and I want to make a difference. That uh, follows very closely to. Uh, my business mantra. Yeah, that's very cool. I love it. You know, by the way, I've had a, a lot, probably the biggest category here on Cars Yeah are journalists uh, that I've had. I've had a wide variety of guests on the show that do all sorts of things, but by far, journalists, authors, writers, uh, it takes up the biggest category because there's a lot of people that are passionate about cars that love to write. And with your journalism career, did you do much in the field of automotive or was it some other field? <laughs> that's interesting. Actually, I typically covered uh, various beats when I was at the newspaper, crime, politics, and columnist. But curiously enough, friends and I would rent a motor home and go to Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin, where I had press pa- where we get I had a press pass, and I did two photo features for our Saturday magazine uh, or insert on Elkhart Lake. Now I will tell you this: uh, at at a car event, uh, some of the people attending are actually more interesting than watching the cars go around. And, and I think you, I think you get the idea, but so yeah, I, um, that's really the only automotive stuff I've ever done journalistically is to take photographs at uh, road America. Yeah. Well, road America, I've raced there. That's a fantastic place to go race. A wonderful track. 
a fun track for uh, observers because, I mean, you almost need a bicycle to get around there to see all the corners during one race. It's a huge place. Yeah, I think it's, was it 4.2 miles or something, something like, like that? Yeah, it's a, and it's a, it's a bit of a challenging track too. I mean, you can get yourself in trouble there if you're not too careful, especially on the backside there, man. You come around some of those corners and, oh, I'm running out of track. So, uh, but it's a great place to go for sure. Well, let's go back in time here a little bit and have you share a story that instigated a personal passion that you have for, for cars. Uh, tell us about a pivotal moment in your life when you knew that, you know, like dad, maybe not as wild and crazy as dad, but I'm a car guy too. Well, curiously enough, I am a car guy, but despite the fact that my father had all this interest in foreign cars as a distributor and as a race driver, et cetera, I grew up in a small town in Indiana and most of my friends are driving Fords or Chevys. So I'm hanging out with them. And so when I'm turning 15 and a half, you know, especially or even 16, and I'm start, my first car is a 1950 Chevy that I got at a, uh, uh, at an auction where these two old folks died within a, a week of one another, a, a low mileage, I think 11,500 1950 Chevy. Um, and then uh, that quickly morphed into a 1950 Chevy, six cylinder, three speed where I could get a little more get up and go. So I have spent most of my early days hanging around Chevys of various kinds and working on them myself. So I consider myself a, a semi-gearhead. I can do a lot of things, although I also can do enough to get myself in trouble. Sounds like me too. Absolutely. Right. Always keep a good mechanic on your dial pad just yeah. in case you need them. Well, Michael, let's take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and talk about a big challenge or a big failure that you've faced along your life or your career. The reason I like to ask this question is not so much to drum up a, a miserable part of your past, but in order to talk about what you learned from it, because these are great learning lessons if you take them that way. So walk us down a path that you uh, had some challenges with and tell us how you gained even more momentum as you came out of that situation with your life and your career and your business. Right. Uh, that's a good question, actually, and I hadn't really thought about that before. But Mark, Probably the last company I had, which is a physical therapy-related company called Graston Technique, that company, I was sure that when I saw this technique or when I felt it, uh, that this could make a difference in people's lives. And I was playing at racquetball, a place I normally don't. Fellas said he had to get a treatment. One thing led to another. I got a treatment, felt that these two fellas had something going, but started this company. And literally, it took me 14 years before we turned a profit. Holy now, cow. I know. <laughs> that's now, a as I explain that's some persistence it, there. <laughs> as I explain it for those people who are who are sensitive, I can say it and be politically correct, but if I weren't predominantly Polish, I'd have been out of that business a long time ago. <laughs> Listen but to you. I really believed that it would make a difference in people's lives, and it did. And it, it's it's used at universities and uh, taught in universities, it's used in clinics, used by four hundred and fifty pro and amateur teams all around the world. So it was, it was persistent and I, I truly believed in it. And, uh, that's, uh, the lesson learned is, well, I don't know if you're going to get out, get out sooner. And if you're going to stay in for the long, you know, for the ride, you know, you just be, be prepared for a lot of bumps and bruises. Absolutely. Well, for those of us, including me that are not familiar with what this is, could you explain it? Sure. Uh, essentially what it is when you go in, whether it's, over were you overuse uh, well, from um, carpal tunnel syndrome, or you uh, overuse something, or yeah. if you have surgery, or if you injure something, fall off a ladder, or you have a sports injury, it creates scar tissue, 
And so scar tissue often will heal in a spider web type of a fashion. And so when you pull on it, it doesn't pull straight. So you have to go in there manually, break up that soft tissue, stretch and reformat the tissue. Ooh. Well, Grassin Technique is an instrument assist method. So there's stainless steel instruments that get deeper into the tissue, treat it more specifically, and you know get you down the road of rehab and recovery quicker and better. So uh, you know, is it a, like a massage type technique it, with certain tools, or do you go inside in, the body? You don't go inside. It's not invasive. But instead of putting your thumb soft tissue on soft tissue, you have something static. In this static. Think of it like a, uh, a metal piece that when you find that affected tissue, it vibrates right back through into your hands. The patient feels it on their skin or in their body, on their tissue, and the clinician feels it in their hands because it's, it's uh, trying to, I can't give you an analogy. I'll tell you what it's like. It's like a stethoscope. Only you feel with your hands what's going on in there just as physician Here's what's going on through the stethoscope oh, when they wow. put that on your heart. Th- yeah. They can hear that. Yeah. Wow. So Very interesting. A- and it's still used today to help people recover from injury. It's used all over the world. Really? Wow. And, uh, cool. and in fact, I'm talking with my old company about consider possibly going to back to work with them to see if we can apply this same technique, which works on people, to animals, particularly horses, large dogs, racehorse, oh, wow. equestrian, etc. Very uh, interesting. Very cool. Well, I think the message here, of course, is persistence, tenacity. Um, I would ask you for someone who's trying to build a business and they're struggling and it's been some years and they're either running out of capital or they can't raise capital or they're frustrated. What's one thing you could share with them to give them a little bit of hope and, and security about, hey, stick with it? It's interesting you say that, Mark. I think you just have to be passionate about what you're doing. And if you're passionate and you're willing to donate and dedicate your time, that's critical. The thing that I had not been successful with, though, is balance. Mm. Balance family with work or family with play. So, uh, you know, I, uh, my friends have often said to me that on my tombstone will appear the, um, the inscription, should have spent more time at the office. Um, <laughs> but. Yeah, I, I, I think it just if you're if you have the passion and you're willing to spend the time that typically will get you to where you want to go. There's one other key, I believe, to success, and that is the ability to listen, not just to yourself, but listen to what other people are saying around you. Yeah, very, very important indeed. Well, let's have a little bit of fun. And you, you touched on this a little bit earlier, but I'd love for you to share your first really special car. It doesn't have to be your first car, but the first vehicle you got that had great meaning for you. And maybe yeah. share a memory you have about that ride. 1957 Chevy, two-door hardtop, powder blue, white top, three-speed, 283, four-barrel with overdrive. So that means that 411 could, could get uh, some rest. Mm-hmm. That was the beginning of my kind of my hot rod stuff. And uh, a special car, as I say, had Chrysler wire, wire wheels on it that nice. made it really unique so um that car is still talked about from by friends of mine that are that are still around of course the 57 i mean that's the classic year too but then that morphed into some years later what did i i I started one time started make a list of all the cars i had i I don't have enough paper (laughs) but uh, then probably the one that just uh had so much power it 
it was uh, too much, somewhere being too much fun and too hard to drive, was a 62 Corvette, 340, 327, four-speed, 411, positive traction, ISKI cam, retainer, you know, just, you know, just everything. Was- that sounds like fun. You know, I had a, a special guest, um, last name of Paige, uh, Heartland Customs uh, in uh, just outside of Paul's Valley, Oklahoma. And I was just shooting uh, an episode of Cars Yeah! Television at Covercraft, a corporation where they make car covers. And uh, uh, he brought the car, a 61 Corvette, over for me to drive as part of the show. And uh, yeah, what a cool car. What was interesting about the day was it was raining and the car was a convertible. So I was driving around in the rain. But uh, we well, just said, have to drive fast. Yeah, drive- he said it won't melt. Yeah. It, well, this car was, it had a lot, it, it was customized. It, it had a lot of power. I was a little nervous being in that thing with all that wet road, but it was fun. Those are beautiful cars indeed. How about a vehicle that you've let go, that you've sold, that you really wish you had back since you've had so many? Is there one car in particular? Taking the equation of money and value off the table, just from a passion standpoint that you wish you still had. Well, it would be between the the 57 Chevy and the 62 Corvette. I think just because it had enough different things in terms of ride, brake, steering, I probably lean towards the 62 Corvette. Yeah, uh, they're beautiful. They're beautiful cars. And of course, the 62 led to the iconic split window 63 Stingray, which is uh, so coveted. But I love those old 60s cars. I mean, they just they're just great. They look cool. They are fun to drive. And the driving position, I think, improved vastly over the 50s. You get into a 50 Corvette, it's like a truck. They're just a really awkward car to drive. Uh, I know I might have upset some folks with that comment, but to get in one of those cars and drive it, you'll see what I mean. It's like driving a, an old TC, right? I mean, you don't want to get on a freeway in an MGTC. Well, speaking of driving like a truck, one of my other cars is a 1950 Chevy pickup. Oh, cool. It's completely stock. It's a driver. So I know what I know what a car what a car that drives like a truck feels like because I have a truck that drives like a truck. Yeah. Power steering by Armstrong, mechanical brakes. I mean it's yeah. Yep. Old farm truck. That's what they were built for. And there's still a lot of them around. Well, I would love for you to talk a little bit about this upcoming twenty fourth annual Greenwich Concord Elegance, because they're featuring your dad's car is one of the featured marks there. And I think it's going to be pretty cool for people to see a collection of these cars. Do you know how about how many cars are going to be there? And what does this mean to you and your mom and your family to have your, your dad's cars uh, presented at a Concorde that's this prestigious? Well, it won't mean as much to my mother right now because my mother died. Well, oh, my apologies for that. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no. this, I, you know what? I can find a little bit of humor in about everything. Okay. Anyway. I would give credit to Chuck Schoendorf and Bill Watkins, I think. There are, right now, what I'm aware of, are 17 different Arnold cars. There are uh, two Arnold Astons, Martins, six Arnold MGs that would make uh, nine Arnold Bristols. And the Arnold Bristols, uh, you have a competition, the Bolide, the Deluxe, and there will be at least one coupe. Or as a friend of mine from Sweden likes to say, a coupe. Coupe, yes. <laughs> yes. And, and I know that there are roadsters and sedans that will be uh, represented in the Arnold MG. And the two uh, Astons are both roadsters. Explain to our listeners when they hear Arnold combined with these other marks, why is it combined with these other marks? I mean, I know the answer to this, but I'd love you to share 
why you see the Arnold MG, Bristol, Aston. What, what's the relationship? What they did, and I use the Arnold Bristol as the best example because that's what I have. And that is it. Were, they are using a Bristol engine and a Bristol chassis. Uh, so it's the same engine and chassis on which the Bristol engine or body would be mounted. But instead of the uh, Bristol body, that engine and chassis was shipped to Italy, where the Scaglione designed body was placed on the Bristol engine and chassis. Yeah, yeah. And that that name in itself, Scaglione, that is accompanied with some very, very famous designs for Ferrari and all sorts of different cars. And I know I mispronounced Gaglioni because a friend of mine who speaks Italian, I think the G is silent. Gaglietti. Something like that. <laughs> I say and spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, Gaglioni uh, uh, would design for Bertoni, which is the bodybuilding family in Torino. Yeah, absolutely. Well, our apologies to that Italian genius in design for butchering yeah. his name, but I wanted to, to make sure our, our folks kind of got a, a hint of this. Of course, they could go online and learn a lot more about all these cars. And as far as the businesses itself, does it still exist today? Is there an entity of it that still exists today? Or is that dissolved and uh, you need to join marks and clubs to learn more about these cars? What you have, and it's very interesting, is the people who own the cars are very passionate about it. So the Arnold Bristol owners have a registry. And they track virtually everything. And there are three or four key people who have just kept this. I mean, it, it's breathing. It's it, There are experts in the field, people like Peter McGough uh, in British Columbia and Kenneth Andron in Sweden and, and uh, John Simmons in Charlotte and Bill Watkins in California. I mean, they, as I say, have kept this Arnold Bristol uh, breathing. The same thing is true with the Aston Martin folks and Nick Candy and his gang. I mean, they follow the Aston Martin uh, as closely as we do the Arnold Bristol, but there were many fewer. There were only eight Bertone bodied Arnold or uh, Aston Martins, three of which, which are called Arnold and the other are simply Bertone built, Bertone built. Uh, the Arnold MG, also dis- designed by Scaglioni, was, um, or no, I take that back, it was by somebody else. Uh, but the Arnold MG, there, were, there are, were 103 of them built, and there's still something like 100 still around. And again, whether it's the MG, whether it's the Bristol, whether it's the Aston Martin, same thing, uh, MG, TD, MG chassis, MG TD engine. Shipped to Italy, body where the body's placed on it. Uh, the most one-off car is the Arnold Bentley, as a, of which there was only one. But that also, because it had a little special design, bore the name of Arnold. Wow, very cool. I know there's the uh, and maybe this is the same site, the BristolCars.info, uh, Bristol Cars Forum, if you will, owners and enthusiasts forum is a great place to go and talk to people and learn more about these cars. But uh, Absolutely fantastic. Interesting history. Well, Michael, up next is the last lap. Before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Hey, fellow automotive enthusiasts, you know I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products since 1975. That's right. 
all the way back to my high school days. Want to keep your vehicle's exterior and interior looking new? It's easy with a Covercraft car cover. A car cover is the best way to keep your vehicle looking great for years to come. Car covers protect your paint from fallout, birds, dust, rain, insects, and pollen. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. I use my Covercraft car covers every single day. Right now, you can get 10% off all Covercraft custom car covers or their ready-fit car covers. Plus, they offer you over 15 quality fabrics to choose from. Their spring sale is from April 15th through June 16th, 2019. Order direct at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com. That's Covercraft.com. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. Hey, Mark Green here from the Cars Yeah podcast. Did you know you can now see me on the Cars Yeah TV show? That's right. Cars Yeah is now on MAV TV. I visit some of the past Cars Yeah guests and take you along for the ride. Go to MavTV.com to learn more where you can enjoy Cars Yeah TV. Mav TV is also available on DirecTV, Fubo TV, Fios by Verizon, or you can stream it through MavTV.com online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. All right, Michael, we are back, and I have a bit of an introspective question for you. If you woke up tomorrow and you were a vehicle parked in your garage, you'd actually manifest it into a car. This isn't what you want to be. It's how you perceive yourself as a vehicle. Makes the question a little more tricky. What would Michael be and why? (laughs) Well, that's not a fair question because, unfortunately, I'd want to be one of four vehicles. I am about to become the owner of a 1964 GTO. Ooh. I, let me tell you, I go through this process. I go with buddies of mine to car events, and I'll say, what three cars would you like to own? And, and so they do that, but I know that the question is going to come back to me, and I have the ready answer. Well, I already have two of the cars I want, which is my Arnold Bristol, which I'm the only owner of, incidentally. The car was stored over in Switzerland for years, was, so it came, it, you know, it's virtually no mileage car that I've had since 19... I didn't title it till 76, but I got it in 1969. Wow. My 1950 Chevy pickup and then my 1964 GTO. So I've got to be all three of those animals. I won't wake up as one because I want to drive them all. But you're, uh, you're kind of morphed into, you know, this is, this is an interesting answer because the reason this question exists on Cars Yeah is because of an artist that was on the show a long time ago. And I had a different question and he said, Mark, I would rather you ask me this question. And he gave me that question, and it was so interesting. But he was, uh, Arnold, his name is Harold Cleworth. He's a very well-known artist. He's, gosh, I think he's in his late 70s now, maybe older than that. Uh, lives, down, lives down in Venice Beach. Very wild, crazy kind of guy. But he was the front of, I believe it was a um, Austin Healey and the back of a Cadillac Bia Ritz. <laughs> so uh, talk about a Frankenstein car. 
Yeah. Cool. So your answer is very similar to the creativity of Harold Cleworth, which is a compliment for sure. Very nice. Well, Michael, up next is the last lap. This is where I fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of that Arnold throttle. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? From my father. Good tires are the cheapest insurance you can get. You know, it's incredible to me how often people neglect their tires. And when I take my cars in for service, the one thing I always pride myself in is my mechanics always say, you know what, Mark, you're the only person that brings this car in that the tire pressures are always perfect when you come in here. And I do check them every month. I have a compressor in my garage, so it's rather easy to do. But they said, you wouldn't believe the very nice cars that come in here that have 20 pounds under, 10 pounds under. I mean, it's so serious. Uh, people not taking care of their cars. And of course, the big one is people with trailers. Uh, you can watch YouTube all day long with trailer disasters of people that haven't uh, taken care of their tires and their trailers and they get them out for the season and their prized possession is on that trailer and it blows up, you know, so uh, tires. Your dad was a very wise man. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years? Yeah, I think I not alluded to it. I said it. My my habit is whatever I do, I'm going at it full tilt. That's just my the way I am. When I worked for the newspaper, I mean, I was I didn't make any difference to me how many hours I was working on a story because I was so engrossed in it. I worked it until uh, I was that I was satisfied that I was fair, accurate, and thorough. And I do the same thing. I use that same principle in my business. I do that when I kind of when I play racquetball, I am an active spectator. I am not a passive spectator and even at events. So that's a, uh, I guess, a subset of me and whatever else I do, whether I'm working, playing. And even when I'm hanging out with my daughter, who now who lives in New York City, lives in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but there's one speed for me, full tilt. Keep the revs up. Do you have a resource that you'd like to share with our listeners? There's so many these days. Yeah, no, that's interesting. It's a good question, too. Uh, as a former journalist, and I, I still am involved with, uh, with the media school at Indiana University, so uh, my, my passion is still getting met. I enjoy my, the daily look or the daily read of WAPO. Uh, oh, I'll tell you what. Let me share this with you. Yes. If I were going to say something, I'm going to say, what what book? Could you, should you pick up, read, or listen to? I would go to Jane Pauley has written a book, and I can't remember the title, but the subtitle is Reimagining Your Life. And it's a series of snippets of about 60 or plus people that she interviewed who changed their life, either work or from work to uh, retirement or something like that. And it is just really opening to hear what other people have gone through, it kind of gives you energy to take a look at doing something else and something different. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other book that I find just absolutely, for me, has uh, I, I call upon it often, is uh, Robert Fulgham, who wrote the book, Everything I Know I Learned in Kindergarten. <laughs> well, he wrote one called Uh-Oh, and in it are a series of stories that, of which he was a part that are really valuable. One that sticks in my mind is, he was at a dude ranch, uh, and I believe it was Colorado. It was in the summertime, and he's complaining to the night auditor about the fact that there have beans and wieners every night to eat. And uh, the uh, the auditor, who's a survivor of Auschwitz, 
said to Fulgham, he said, Fulgham, you've got to know the difference between a problem and an inconvenience. <laughs> yeah. A lump in the breast is different than a lump in the potatoes. <laughs> so, so for me, just those little things, um, I, I would offer up those two books as an easy read or easy listen. Yeah, that Jane Pauley book is Your Life Pauling. Uh, is the main title with the sub subhead reimagine the rest of your life great book yeah uh very inspirational book indeed read it quite a while ago but uh, it's, uh maybe I should pick that up again that's pretty cool now if i could uh, wave my magic wand and arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry living or deceased who would it be i have four people four that's a good party uh, yeah <laughs> uh my father my mother yeah. and one each of my grandparents to ask them questions that i never asked or to get answers for something that they never offered to me. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, automotive. Yeah, Dad, why cars? Yeah, you know, because we never quite had that connection. We didn't exactly hang out because yeah. he was always traveling. Yeah, busy but working. so in any case, so uh, I, I I can't have dinner with one. I got to have dinner with four separately because uh, I and um, and I have a lot of questions and my yeah. the the journalistic. Uh, curiosity to me would pull out an awful lot. Absolutely. Well, there's a good lesson for all of those folks that still have their grandparents and their parents. Take the time to talk with them. They are full of incredible information and story and life stories, and you may, well, you won't have them forever. So take the time. Uh, I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I've lost my father and my, my father-in-law and mother-in-law now. And so, uh, yeah, there's many things I wish I had asked them. Well, you can find all these great resources that Michael shared on his very own Cars Yeah show notes page. Just go to CarsYeah.com, type in Michael Arnold, A-R-N-O-L-T, and that page will pop right up. All right, Michael, this last question could be a bit of a doozy. It might be a challenge for you because you've already got some of your favorite cars, but today I'm going to buy you any cool collector car that exists on this planet. doesn't matter who owns it. I'm going to acquire it and park it in your garage. But there's a couple tough rules to this little game. One is you have to drive it. No garage queens allowed. You can't sell it to buy a bunch of other cars with. That little trick's off the table coming from a family where your father bought and sold lots of cars. And it's the only one cool collector car you can have. This is what makes it tough for a guy who's got a few. What can I buy you today? Or do you already have the one you're going to keep? No, I can tell you what the car is because I drove it. I'm a buddy of mine, and I spirited it out of the garage when my mother was away. See, she subsequently sold it. A 1957 BMW 507. Oh, wow. Uh, that's going to cost me a that pretty my father, penny. <laughs> that, that he bought new. Oh, really? It was your dad's car? And I still, I still have the bill of sale, but I don't have the car. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would be a nice one to have. Well, Absolutely stunning car, of course, and uh, very famously designed, uh, but beautiful lines. I remember seeing the only white one I'd ever seen on the lawn at Pebble Beach, and it belonged to Elvis Presley, uh, which was kind of cool. I'd never seen a white one before, but they are certainly beautiful cars. Do you have a preference to color so I get you the right I one? I do. I have white. Is, is in fact, because the one that my father had was wow. white. Oh, no, very cool. And it okay. had the hard top as well as the soft top. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, well, that's the one to get back. Well, Michael, you've taken me on a great ride today. I've really enjoyed your stories. I want to thank you for sharing your journey. Could you offer us a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you drive off into the sunset in Dad's 507? Well, you said it, uh, Mark, and that is, and I, I try to do this with my daughter, so I don't tell her everything that I think, 
but I'm writing stuff down, notes from dad, uh, and putting in my computer, send them, share them with her from time to time, not wait until, you know, uh, toes up. And incidentally, I'm not getting it, but, uh, yeah, it's to share what you can with those who are closest to you. And uh, for my daughter, Charlie, I think that's what I would share is, uh, uh, but you, you started down that road, so I'm just continuing down that uh, four-lane highway. You know, that's a great idea. I like that idea, and there's still a lot I'd like to share with my kids. They probably think I've shared everything I can with them, uh, but uh, I think that I'm going to start doing the same thing. Um, yeah, and shout out to Charlie, and uh, and thank you uh, for taking time today to spend with us uh, to share your family's legacy, an iconic brand in my mind because it's so special and what your dad produced. And also, of course, uh, for all of you listeners that are going to be so fortunate to attend the Greenwich Concord, uh, if you're not going to attend, go to the GreenwichConcord.com website and maybe find a way to attend. It's a multi-day event, May 31st through June 2nd. And I'm hoping, are you going to be there, Michael? I am. Awesome. Absolutely great. Well, listeners, you can find everything Michael shared today again on his Cars yeah show notes page. Just go to CarsYeah.com, type in Michael Arnold. If you're not familiar with this brand of vehicle, the history, the legacy of the Arnold brand. Go check it out. I think you're going to be very pleasantly surprised. Michael, thanks for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, and for sharing your experiences with the Cars Yeah listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you at the Greenwich Concours. I'm about to park my car. Thanks, Mark. There you go. Thank you. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimble.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.